from NBC5 Chicago. It is an entirely new industry in Illinois. With the stroke of his pen, Governor J.B. Pritzker signs the recreational marijuana bill into law. Selling a product which could get you sent to prison just a few years ago. I'm here now to uh, basically look into the opportunity of, of getting the expungement done so I can further my opportunity and actually better my life for me and my kids. New sites are considered by many the beachhead of a multi-billion dollar industry. This is bigger than just whether or not there's going to be money to, that the state can make on the sale of this product. This is about drug policy reform and this is about criminal justice reform. But critics warn it's a product where some will have no idea about their own personal limits. Marijuana, a powerful excitant, produces unpredictable emotional results. This is High Expectations, Cannabis in Illinois. I'm Phil Rogers with Courtney Copenhagen, my colleague covering cannabis here at NBC5. Hello again. You know, we're just a few weeks away from a whole new experience for up to one million people. Most people have never even been inside of a cannabis dispensary. They have been open here in Illinois for four years, but it was such a slow trickle because of the limitations on the medical conditions. Now we're up to about 90,000. So this will be a whole new day for Illinois and people who are interested in trying marijuana. In preparation of our series here, Phil, you went out to Colorado. You actually visited a dispensary for the very first time. Were you surprised about how meticulous it was inside? I was really surprised by a number of things. Um, Number one, the number of dispensaries in Colorado is, frankly, astonishing. The city of Denver has more marijuana dispensaries than McDonald's and Starbucks combined. In fact, Denver has more marijuana dispensaries than Chicago has McDonald's. Denver also has an area called the Green Mile which, according to the industry and, in fact, some regulators, is probably the biggest concentration of cannabis dispensaries anywhere in the world. Amsterdam, you name it, Denver has them all topped. Now, the question is, is it really that pervasive? Do you notice it when you're a visitor to Colorado? Frankly, if you're not looking for it, they just kind of blend in. It's not like you see big green clouds coming out on the sidewalk. When you go to a dispensary, it kind of depends which one you go to. Some of these are holes in the wall, small dispensaries, the kind they maybe resemble like a stamp collecting shop. Others are big superstores of cannabis. We were in one that was just glitz and glamour and frankly, one of the fanciest places you could go, and it was selling marijuana. Now remember, all of this is coming under a brand name. And so these products are not what you would expect it to look like. It just felt like almost like a cosmetic counter. Exactly. In fact, it really resembled a cosmetic counter in that one. Now, we were in some up in the mountains that were very small, kind of rustic, uh, wood paneled, if you will. You know, usually you go to one room where you have to establish who you are, and then you go into the next room where you actually see the products. Uh, There's a glass case there that has things displayed in there. Then they have things behind the counter. But... Uh, In others, you'll actually establish your identity when you walk in the door, and then you just walk right up to the counter from there. Uh, One dispensary we were in had actually a a, a queue where you had to walk through the queue because uh, sometimes a day people are that lined up. So it does get pretty busy sometimes, and the experience can be different, but the state, of course, has standards on how it has to operate. 
pretty much see those same standards here in Illinois when it comes to your shopping experience. But unlike a normal retail experience, you don't touch the product. So it's not like you're standing there in the cereal aisle at a grocery store and trying to decide between Frosted Flakes and tricks. You work with a bud tender. So when you walk inside, you're going to be immediately greeted by a bud tender. And that person is supposed to kind of walk you through the entire process, ask you the questions, ask you about your needs, what you want, whether you want to sleep, whether you want to have a good time. Once they kind of determine what product is right for you, then they are the ones that are actually going to go get the products and they're going to bring it over to the cash register for you. Now, as a matter of fact, you mentioned cash registers, so that brings us to the question of cash. Now, in Colorado, what we saw was they've actually found a way to use plastic. It's a novel system where if you use an ATM card, you can pay with it. You don't ever get the cash. It just goes straight into the system. Reason for that is, of course, they can't use banks, and it's largely a, a, a cash industry. What have you learned about what's going to happen on day one here in Illinois? It's cash and cash only. Cash is king here in Illinois. So, you know, these days most people don't carry cash anymore. Everybody's using Venmo, everybody's using Zelle. So really people don't have it in their pockets anymore. And you're gonna need to make a trip to the ATM machine before you do walk into a dispensary because that's all that they'll take here in Illinois is cash. We're not using debit just quite yet. So when you do get to the point of sale, your cash register, you'll hand over your cash. And that's where you will hand over your ID once again. And that's for two reasons. Uh, once again, it's because just to make sure you have a, a valid ID. It's also to determine if you're a resident or a non-resident. Because if you're a resident of Illinois, then you get a different purchasing limit than you would if you were a non-resident. So if you came over the border from Wisconsin, you can only purchase half of the allotted amount for Illinois residents. Courtney, a lot of people are troubled by the fact they're going to be uh, swiping IDs in the dispensaries here in Illinois. They're worried that somehow that, that personal information is going to be stored or maybe even transmitted to the state. What have you learned about that? We reached out and we got clarification on that because that's a question that we have been getting a lot. A lot of people are worried that this is going to come back to haunt them. And if they go purchase at a recreational dispensary, that their information is going to be stored. And somehow at some point when they go to get a job or something, it's it's going to be used against them. And that's not the case. So the state did send out a, a press release for us and said... Dispensaries will be required to use electronic readers to scan and verify the validity of a consumer's government-issued ID. And then it goes on to say that state law does prohibit the information on the identification from being retained, used, shared, or disclosed. So, no. The answer, again, is no, your data will not be stored. But you may be asked for your email address when you do make a purchase. And that's simply a marketing sales tactic. All that is is just so they can keep you on their email mailing list and update you on any product information, dispensary information. That's all it is. It's just as if you were going to J. Crew and they asked for your email address. Same process. We're getting lots of questions about how much this product's going to cost. So we recently sat down with Sergio Medina. He is a dispensary manager at uh, Sunnyside, which is owned by Cresco. And he kind of just gave us a quick rundown of how the prices are set and then what they are. All dispensaries, we operate like any retail 
uh, location would. We receive our products and we set our prices. The only thing that is set by the state are the tax brackets and the different products. Okay, what would generally somebody pay? Um, generally, for the average pricing for an eighth of flour will be about 50 to $60. For a pack of pre-rolls, we're looking at about 35. And then for edibles, you're gonna look at anywhere between 20 and 40. So what Sergio is saying there, when he's saying it's an eighth, it's an eighth of an ounce. And that's, again, flour, and that's what um, considered is like your raw bud. So that's what you would kind of take if you were going to smoke marijuana in a, a joint or a bong. Uh, your pre-rolls, he was talking about, and that's your pre-roll joint that comes in a canister. And then when he was talking about edibles, that was um, 20 to $40 for a pack of edibles. So when you purchase a package of edibles, those generally come in a 10-pack. Uh, they're about 100 milligrams. So there are 10 gummies inside of each pack. And each gummy is about 10 milligrams a piece. Or another edible could be a chocolate bar. And then on that chocolate bar, it will be divvied up into 10 pieces. And each of those pieces will be 10 milligrams. One of the interesting things that we should point out here is that because nothing can cross a state line, everything has to be produced locally. Uh, that goes for the actual cannabis flower, the, the material that people will smoke, and all of these edibles. And in fact, in Colorado, we saw a variety of beverages. They sold something called Keef Cola, which looked like something you'd buy at Juul, except it's infused with THC. We spoke with Tigran Maradian, who is with Medicine Man Technologies, about the fact that they have to produce everything that they sell. Correct. Yeah, nothing can leave the state borders, nothing could come in. So first it starts with the supply, and then it goes through extraction, unless it's sold as flour. And then from the extraction, they make products, right? Those are your edibles, your tinctures, your gummies, your um, chatter and wax. And then from there, it gets transferred to a dispensary when you make, where you make the sale. And Courtney, you heard him talking about things like shatter and wax. Those are things I had never heard of before. Those are highly concentrated forms of THC. Uh, some of it looks almost like uh, amber or a yellow brittle material. You take very small amounts of that and people will smoke it. And it is a much more concentrated form of THC. And you know, when I saw the video from that, it doesn't look like anything remotely associated with marijuana. And I think those products that you're talking about, wax and concentrate, that's not going to be your new user. Your new user, when they come in on January 1st here in Illinois, I think they're going to be purchasing edibles and pre-rolls. I don't think they're going to be purchasing wax and concentrate just yet. So while you were out in Colorado, you didn't just go to dispensaries. You also went to a cultivation center, which is basically the growing operations of marijuana. What did you see when you were inside the growing centers in Colorado? I mean, basically, they're not your typical classic apartment closet, are they? No, as a matter of fact, some of them are, are really large. Uh, there was one cultivation center in Colorado that is at the size of about four football fields. These will largely be nondescript. They might be in a business park. It's going to be an unmarked building. Sometimes they've taken over former warehouses. And a lot of people would look at this and say, well, that doesn't look like a greenhouse. How can they grow marijuana? The answer to that is they control the light and they really don't want natural light coming in because then they lose control. The way the plants are grown, and it's really fascinating to see this. 
they would go through so many different efforts to coax the plant along and increase the amount of THC. In some of the growing rooms, they will actually pump in extra CO2. Now, if you go back to your junior high biology class, what did we learn? We learned that photosynthesis is just CO2 in, oxygen out. Plants love CO2. The theory here is if plants love CO2, let's give the marijuana plants lots of what they love. And so they will actually increase the amount of CO2 going into those plants to such an extent. There were warning signs on the doors of those rooms. Danger. You know, the, the breathable oxygen in this room may not be what you expect. Don't spend an extended amount of time in this room. They also, as we say, control the amount of light to convince the plant of what time of year it is. Then they will put the plant into darkness to cause the plant to try to go to sleep. They'll convince the plant that it is now fall and it needs to start flowering. And all of this is designed to produce that that magic amount of THC in the plant. One of the cultivators told us something I didn't expect. He said THC is actually a defensive mechanism in the plant. And so one of the things they try to do is convince the plant that it's in danger. So they will apply a layer of beetle hulls to the plant, and it will think it's being attacked by bugs, and it will produce more THC. And... Like you were saying, these are all inside warehouses. The plants are not being grown outside. So people who think that they have found a marijuana farm outside in the open, they're wrong. Those are probably hemp plants, and hemp plants don't contain THC. When you were on your ride-along with the Colorado State Patrol, they even pointed out some of these fields that contain hemp plants, and they talked about how constantly these plants are being stolen by people thinking that they actually are marijuana plants. Yeah, we saw one field in Colorado where the trooper we were riding with, Jerry Sharp, pointed out that this was a very well-known hemp farm right beside the interstate, right out in the open, really large. This is their first year growing in this section right here. He told us the farmer in that case had trouble controlling the THC levels in those plants to keep them considered hemp and not marijuana. I mean, this is new for them, so they're working that piece of it out within their growth cycles to identify where they, what point they have to harvest in order to get the lowest amount of THC. This farm specifically, they're, they're growing for uh, CBD production, mm -hmm. which is the medicinal property that we always hear about within the plant. The interesting part to that is the higher the CBD, the more likely you are to have your THC come creeping up with it. That's kind of how prevalent this product is out in Colorado. In some cases, it seems it's almost everywhere. And it is everywhere. It, it, it's Colorado, and it is all over the place. And actually, it's a pretty common experience. Like you were talking about, it's, it's just the norm out there. And when you were even out there, uh, I had asked you to kind of just talk to local residents and get their feeling. We're five years into this. How do they feel? Do they Are they opposed to the marijuana being legal in Colorado, or are they for it, or is it just not even an issue anymore? And you had a lot of difficulty actually finding people to say one way or the other. Yeah, we were on the 16th Street Mall in Denver, and we were asking residents what they thought of their marijuana experience. I think it's going well. Person 
It's going great. <laughs> Why wouldn't you legalize it? After person. A lot of people are happy about it. After person. It wasn't this gateway drug or anything like that. We were hard-pressed to find anyone there that would speak against it or say it's been a bad thing or that society had changed radically since marijuana had been legalized. There are opponents out there. They are concerned about the toxicity of the product in some cases. But as far as whether or not society has gone to hell in a handbasket, you really don't hear the citizens saying that. One of the things we did want to do was get out of Denver. I wanted to see what the experience was up in the mountains, in another town, in a smaller town. We picked Nederland. Nederland is a town with 800 people, as we say, but it has three cannabis dispensaries. One of those is Silver Stem Dispensary, where we spoke with Scott Lux, who is an Illinois native and now manages that place. And he says he actually gets a lot of visitors, as opposed to locals in his business. Uh, probably 75 to 80 percent tourists. Um, 20 percent locals, probably. Um, regulars that come back on a regular basis. What do you attribute that to? Uh, part of it's being surrounded by the beauty that we're surrounded by, that we get a lot of tourism. Do you get a lot of first-timers that have never tried the product before? I would say, yeah, we do. Um, just because it is legal here and they can either see it, try it for the first time. Um, a lot of people will go with an edible for the first time rather than the smoke. You know, Courtney, that was one thing that we heard a lot of people talk about. You, you heard him mention people trying it for the first time. Well, one of the cautionary tales that a lot of people are really concerned about is dosing. You know, ever since we started this project um, a few months ago, and we've been pretty much cannabis all the time, everybody has come up and shared their stories about their experiences. Most of them actually had good experiences, but everybody loved to share their one bad experience, and most of them were related to edibles. You know, edibles are very powerful. They have 10 milligrams in that little, little, little gummy. There are 10 milligrams. That is a lot for anyone to take if they've never consumed marijuana before, or if they've done it in other forms, like smoke it. So they're just not used to edibles, and they don't even realize that it can take up to 40 minutes for the effects to start being felt. And people, what they do is they start to pop more edibles in thinking, well, this isn't working. We need to take another one. And then they take another one. And then all of a sudden, it hits them all at once. And sometimes it even sends them to the hospital. And the way I like to kind of explain it to people when they're asking me about this, think of it as a bottle of wine. bottle of wine is four glasses of wine. If you're not a big drinker, you're not going to drink all four glasses of wine and finish that whole bottle because you'll be drunk. When we were in Denver, we paid a visit to Dr. Andrew Monty, who's an emergency physician with the University of Colorado Hospital in Denver, and he's considered an expert in the field of treatment of people who have been afflicted with illness from THC. He noted that in the prime demographic, that's roughly people in their 30s, there are estimates that 
30% of the population is using marijuana in some form in Colorado. That's an astonishing number. And that at first, the sudden availability did ring some bells in his emergency department. When we had recreational legalized, then actually anybody could come to the state and utilize, right? And so actually what we saw was a spike in emergency department visits. Anything can be dangerous, right? Too much water is actually dangerous. So the, the harm is in the dose. And what we've seen is actually the percentage of THC in cannabis over the last three decades has really skyrocketed, right? So when you and I were kids, right, Phil, there, the percentage of THC was in the single percentages, you know, one to two percent. But now, actually, the percentage of THC is actually about average of about 20 percent here in, in, in Colorado. And that's probably what you can expect here in Illinois, those concentrations of THC. Again, much more powerful than your grandfather's marijuana. And he also spoke about the fact that in his eyes, edibles are a significant issue from a medical standpoint because of those dosing factors. We know that edibles are associated with a 30-fold increased risk of actually ending up in an emergency department. And so, realistically, patients need to understand and users need to understand that there are increased risks if you're going to use edible products. The way to mitigate those risks is, again, to start with a low dose and actually wait three hours before you're going to redose yourself because you just don't know what those effects are going to be, you know, an hour after you take it. And a lot of people do complain about inconsistency in dosing. You know, a brownie, if somebody tries to infuse a brownie, you might get one bite that has an incredible amount of THC, and then you might get a bite with nothing. And that's one of the issues when it comes to unregulated products and THC. In fact, I had an interesting conversation in one of the cultivation centers with Ryan Schulke. He's with Medicine Man Technologies. He talked about the fact they would actually welcome federal regulation of the industry, and that might actually be a factor in some of the issues like dosing and consistency in the products. There's so much to learn in the cannabis industry. The way that it's regulated and the new products, technology, and science, um, there's so much to learn for us, and the growth is going to keep going. And, you know, we're excited for other states to come on board and help educate us and, you know, go through this process together. The sky's the limit on what we can do with the cannabis plant for sure. In the next decade at least, it's going to be federally legal and um, a lot of things are going to change for that, but that's what we strive for and you know, once it can be federally le- regulated, financial backing for research in cannabis is what we actually need because that's going to give us a lot of moving forward powers, is actual studies. You know, the federal government can't fund any, any testing on this product right now, so we're kind of limited on what we know about the product. So as soon as it can become federally legal and backed federally, I think we'll, we'll learn a lot more about the, about the plant and about the industry. Courtney, that's one of the paradoxes in this whole process. If the federal government was involved in cannabis, then the Food and Drug Administration would be involved in cannabis, and they would be demanding that those dosing matters be straightened out so that a gummy would have exactly 10 milligrams or a brownie would have exactly 10 milligrams or however it's delivered in the same manner that they demand that a a Tylenol has exactly the right amount of medicine in it. Consistency in dosing is one of the hallmarks of the American drug trade, 
and that does not exist uh, in this industry. And I think a lot of people believe that if the federal government got involved, that might change. For right now, it is not a federally regulated product. It is going to be regulated by the state of Illinois. And Courtney, a lot of people are concerned about availability on day one. They're, they're worried that these dispensaries are going to run out of product. That is a real possibility that there'll be product shortages. There's going to be long lines and there's going to be a lot of people wanting to buy this. And cultivation centers in Illinois have only had six months to ramp up production and double their product. A couple of weeks ago, we went down to Dwight to go visit Pharmacan's Cultivation Center. And Jeremy Unruh gave us a tour and showed us their operation and everything that's underway. But there's still a lot of work to be done. I think we know it's going to be a little bit chaotic. And I think we, you know, we need to, we need to take a longer view and see where we're at in, not just on day one, day two, week one, week two, but where are we at month six? Where are we at year one? Where are we at 18 months? That's, those are the real benchmarkers for this program. What I can tell you is that there are about 70 or 80,000 medical patients in the state, and the, the state is anticipating 700 to 800,000 adult use consumers. So that's about a 10 time increase. We're going to need more plants. We're going to need more plants. We're going to need more packaging. We're going to need better retail locations. Uh, and then we'll start generating that tax revenue that the state wants. Again, recreational marijuana becomes legal in Illinois January 1st. For now, this has been High Expectations Cannabis in Illinois. With Courtney Copenhagen, I'm Phil Rogers.